Good afternoon, everybody. This is Anjita from Healthcare Clarity. Today we have Scott McSwan from Work Legal and my friend David Seke, as usual. Hi, guys. Hi, hi. Hi, Hey. So we've got a very interesting topic to talk about today. As health practitioners, I think, especially in Australia, where we're very highly regulated, we like to make sure that we've got as many things as possible to keep us safe and keep us out of trouble from the regulators. And in terms of that, medical record is a very, very important part of that. So today, we're very lucky to have Scott. He's the principal for Work Legal. He's also my boss. (laughs) And we are here to discuss what it means to have good record keeping for health practitioners. So thank you, Scott, for coming today. Can you tell me a little bit about yourself and just let the audience know about what your experiences are? Sure. Thanks, Anchita. I'm a lawyer. I've got more than 25 years experience. Much of that has been assisting professionals, of course, including health professionals. And I've also, of course, have my own law practice and previously have managed law practices and therefore have had a lot to do with record keeping in a whole lot of different ways um, in our own business and dealing with clients whose records are pivotal to their cases. And so record keeping really has been central to everything I've done for many, many years. And I think it's fair to say that as legal practitioners, in general, like record keeping is your day-to-day bread and butter, isn't it? So it's great to have, have you come and talk to us and give us some education around this. What we will be covering today are things around what exactly is a good record, when should one keep a record and how do I keep records? So I'll just let get Scott to, you know, if you could just speak to those points and then we'll keep going. Yeah, happy to. Now, look, if we can start by, I've used the word good. Um, I haven't used the word appropriate and we'll get shortly to the meaning of the word appropriate. It has a legal meaning for medical practitioners. I've used today the word good to mean a more embracing idea. Being a lawyer, I like definitions, and good means profit or advantage, worth or benefit. So your record not only needs to be appropriate, but it also needs to be good for you as a practitioner in that you need to do it well, you need to do it quickly. So all of those are kind of wrapped up in the idea of a good record. Now, why would you want to keep good records? Well, there are, of course, clinical care reasons. You will know those very well. I don't need to speak to that. Patient care and patient handover reasons. And of course, you're the experts there. I don't need to speak with that. But there are, of course, also APRA reasons, that is regulatory reasons, and also PRP, Practitioner Review Program, and PSR, Professional Services Review, reasons where you may be the subject of audit and checking on the appropriateness of your billing practices and records are absolutely crucial. So those are the key reasons I would like to cover today with you on why to keep good records. Wonderful. Great. All right. So we're starting, I think, with the APRA reasons. Is that right? Yeah. So APRA, you all are aware that you could receive a complaint or request from APRA that you're asked to respond to and that complaint or request might have arisen from a patient who has a concern or it could even arise from another practitioner. Now when APRA contacts you they 
will ask for a response and that response will often request support from your records. Now I'm going to go through some fundamental principles that apply to how any regulatory authority will approach your records and that goes along these lines. If it's not written down then maybe it didn't happen. So if your response to the patient concern involves content that isn't in your record, then the immediate question that UPRA or another authority properly has to ask is, did it happen? Conversely, and this is beneficially, if it's written down, it probably happened. We'll return to that idea later. What happens though, if something isn't written down and your recollections about that something conflict with the patient's. Whose recollection do you think Upper will prefer? Look, the that's a really good question. Oh, my yeah. goodness. That's, yeah, very scary. Yeah. yeah. The doctor who sees many clients a day or the patient who might see one doctor a month? I think the answer to that is self-explanatory. So when it comes to record keeping, and if you're in a situation where you haven't kept a record, summing it up, I think you can apply O'Toole's law. Have you heard of O'Toole's law? That says that Murphy was an optimist. So if you haven't kept records, it's going to be difficult for you. In best practice, I I know this because I have experience with best practice but on the left hand side when you open up a patient's record it has all of the past visits the current rx the investigation reports that sort of thing is that not the record the record is a very broad concept and it can include all of the tests all of the requests for tests it can include your own record of your interaction with a patient correspondence, whatever it might be, all questionnaires from the patient that the patient is asked to complete when they first visit your practice. Uh, They're all part of the patient record. Specifically, I'm focusing on the record that today that the practitioner themselves keeps um, arising from some kind of interaction with the patient. Okay. And so if there is an APRA complaint against you and you haven't written down, say, for example, that you sent the patient off for blood tests to confirm that it was a bacterial infection. Is that a problem for the practitioner? Does it have to be written down in the notes for the patient visit? Uh, Look, I'm talking about, there are, of course, facts and matters that you'll readily establish from other records. So, and you can rely on those, no doubt. So really what I'm focusing on here is those records that will help you when you're going to be the subject of a patient complaint or when you're going to have another practitioner review your records and satisfy themselves around you know, the quality of care that was given to your patient. If your patient has gone to see another doctor and they've got concerns about what you did. So I don't think ordinarily there would be a question about whether you sent the patient off for a blood test if they've got the blood test result. So that's probably that's less likely to be the kind of issue that will arise. So you can rely upon those other records. 
But it's it's an interesting point, David, that you bring here because, you know, perhaps, Scott, as you say, the blood results may substantiate the fact that, yes, you've actually ordered the bloods. But if the complaint is of a nature of, you know, I never really got any explanation from the doctor and I never consented to these blood tests being ordered and I didn't know what they were actually thinking and I was anxious and that really caused a lot of mental trauma to me type of complaint, then... If you don't really explain and characterize the interaction that you have had in the shape and form of a good record, and and I I like how you you say that it's a good record, meaning it supports your practice and it supports the craft that you delivered, then that's when I think a lot of times we as practitioners get into trouble. So that's that's a really good point to note. It may assist you perhaps and David, this will, I think, really be helpful for the point you raised. And I've got before me um, some comments that were made by the director of the PSR in some typical Section 89C reports. And these are, of course, you know, de-identified and I've uh, purposefully kept it as such. But you see these comments arise again and again in Section 89C reports, and they're repeated many hundreds and thousands of times possibly. So, for instance, a typical concern that might be raised is this. If there was a clinical indication for X, Y, Z, then I remain concerned that your records do not adequately reflect this. For example, your records do not contain evidence of X, Y, Z, or that your peers may expect of a, uh, describe the service. So you can see that where the PSR director is very concerned is, do the records support the clinical indication for the service? Now, this is specifically in the indication in the circumstance of a professional services review. But records that go to clinical indication are absolutely crucial. Or I'll uh, read out another. If you did perform a XYZ service type, service to the other items being billed, I'm concerned that your records were inadequate in failing to document this and that you did not meet the record keeping requirement that each service has a separate entry providing sufficient clinical information to explain the service. So you can get a sense from that for what the PSR director is interested in. What is there in your record that will give an independent observer enough information to be satisfied that the service was needed and was appropriate for the Medicare charge that was billed? Now, of course, you can apply that in many different ways to many different types of services, but that's the kind of notion we're getting to. So let's say it was the circumstance of the blood test, the good point that David raised and that Anchita spoke to. Well, you know, why was that blood test requested? You know, what was the clinical indication? Was it a general health checkup? And, you know, but what's the context? Why is it? What is it that's appropriate for this patient? It shouldn't be left to for chance or to be guessed at, it should be clear enough. And it could be concise, but it needs to be there somehow. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, one thing that I've noticed with the doctors that I've worked with in the past is the use of templates. However, I have read in the PSR case outcomes that this is, that they frown upon this, that doctors can rely excessively on computer shortcuts. So uh, how, how does one keep good records without relying heavily on those computer templates? Yes, I'll try to put that in this way. Does cutting and pasting cut it? 
And look, the answer is cut and paste is an excellent resource and assistance. However, it runs into this serious problem, which is does cutting and pasting so that the same record appears for many different patients in exactly the same content, does that really pass the tests that the PSR or answer the question the PSR director is asking? If in the case of this patient, does the record show that there was a clinical indication for the service that was rendered to this patient? So there needs to be specificity. Now, the use of templates and the use of cutting and pasting and so on is a wonderful aid to getting things done quickly. However, it's no, it doesn't deal with the issue, which is the specific patient content that means that the service is clinically indicated for the patient. And so such things as templates are very helpful if they're fillable, if they allow for independent input by the doctor on specific patient history, on presentation and upon all those other factors that you're going through with every patient with your differential diagnosis. Now, any way in which you can have a template that assists you to efficiently and effectively capture that specific patient content is a very helpful and good guide for you in practice. But cutting and pasting which means that the record is identical for your patients, certainly doesn't meet the standard. And and I guess what you're saying, Scott, is really trying to have that really good structure, isn't it? That's, that's the, right. That's the crux of it. Mm. That's right. And I certainly do highly recommend that doctors, and in fact this is probably a crucial thing that doctors can do to keep good records, is to work very hard on their templates so that their templates do actually allow them to efficiently and effectively capture the specific client information in a way which will be helping to ensure that you've got a complete record and a better record for you as you continue to treat the patient. But the objective of it is the recording of the specific patient information. I, I think one the tip objective I of could- it. I could probably, you know, associate with is having a good structure is obviously so important. But at the same time, you know, we all, as clinicians, we sort of struggle that, you know, what other new things can we write about the thousand, you know, ear infections that we've seen? Because <laughs> it's mm-hmm. usually pretty much the same. But I found in practice what really helps me is the presenting complaint, which is usually like the introductory part of what we write. If we personalize that, like, you know, if we say, you know, Brendan came in with his mother today and had um, discharge in the ear because he went swimming with his brother or whatever, just make it like a little introduction story type of thing, then it does help you personalize it. And then you can still have your templates and your preloaded sort of autofills because the examinations and things are usually very similar when you're diagnosing a otitis media or ear infection. But just personalizing it initially and then perhaps the advice side of things could be personalized as well. But yeah, it certainly, it just can't be a complete cut and paste. That's for sure. And it can't, I, I really don't think it's safe to be using templates all the time either. 
I was what one thing you mentioned, like in terms of how to keep good records, right? So we talked about a structure and having a pattern, and then personalizing. What other points would you say, you know, in a practice that you, as an advisor, would give Scott in terms of how to keep good records? When to keep good records is important. Uh, contemporaneous means keeping the record as soon as practicable after the patient has been seen. And I can say that if the record isn't contemporaneous, and then it really is an issue on review by the PSR in particular. So that contemporaneity, contemporaneity is important. Some other. Can, can you, uh, sorry, can I just interrupt on the contemporaneous note? We yep. did have a question about this on our forum. What is contemporaneous and what is clearly not contemporaneous? As in, you know, sometimes as clinicians, we get extremely busy or some caseloads happen. And, you know, I've been in a situation where I've had to make a medical record, say, the next morning, you know, at times. Mm. And I understand the importance of writing written in retrospect, I suppose, to make sure that that reflects the nature of when we're actually making that record. But can you comment on whether, you know, when is it? unreasonable or when is it not contemporaneous I suppose? Uh, Yeah look the basic notion I always think of as same day is uh, well I mean literally contemporaneous means as it happens doesn't it so that's the literal expression of it but the practical view of it is I think same day. Now if there was a particular reason let's say an, an emergency reason why it couldn't be kept on the same day then you simply add a short note, you know, emergency in clinic, record kept next day. That's what yeah. you need and to so say. actually acknowledge that mitigating issue. That's right. Sure. Okay, great. And, you know, that will be a sufficient explanation. So I've noticed a few useful other comments by the PSR director, which I suppose I can rephrase in the form of, questions which I think are really good reference points to ask yourself around your record keeping. The first question is, can another practitioner understand what occurred, the reason for the treatment and the management provided? That's a good summary question of whether the clinical indication, record keeping requirements of your notes are met. The next is, and this is particularly important, where there is a lower cost treatment alternative have you included the patient-specific clinical reason why you chose the more expensive treatment? Now, this might be relevant, say, for particular types of surgical alternatives to treat a person's condition. There might be a more expensive or a less expensive, you know, upon the government purse alternative. Is there enough information in your record to show why the more expensive treatment was chosen? And this is an area where record keeping is particularly to the aid of the doctor if you've done it, but it certainly works against the doctor if you haven't done it. Now, therefore, if you're in a situation where your practice is one where you are choosing between treatment alternatives and recommendations for treatment alternatives, it's very important to include that information. And that information might sometimes be patient-specific. So it might be, for instance, that the patient works in a particular occupation and it means that they need to have a certain kind of treatment because it might reduce the risk of their infection at their work or whatever it might be. So the information might be very patient-specific, but 
whatever it is, if you could include that in your record, that would be very, very helpful. Yeah. I think so. So in summary, you know, Scott, what you're saying is on top and over the fact of being contemporaneous and adequate, it needs to be, you know, short and succinct where possible, but to the point, it needs to have some sort of a planned sort of effort. And David, what what do you think, what else can our listeners sort of take away from this conversation, do you think, David? Well, I, I suppose uh, one of the, the key points that you mentioned, Scott, was the director's comments on the PSR and that there is a difference between a practitioner's clinical input being inadequate and a practitioner's records being inadequate. And those are two separate classes, I suppose, of poor record keeping. In one case, that is, the clinical input is inadequate. You can have pages of notes which are just cut and pasted, right, with barely any input from the physician, whereas practitioner's records were inadequate, usually means very brief or very short templates. Yeah. Um, but both of those are looked down upon. Look, what I may have been trying to get at was there are different issues that the PSR director is trying to address in their review. So one, for instance, is clinical indication. Does the client require the service that's given? Another is clinical input. So what, in fact, did the doctor do? What was the input that they gave? There are certainly issues that are separately addressed through the records you keep, through your clinical record. But in both of those respects, what I'm trying to convey is that there needs to be very patient-specific information. And so templates are certainly a helpful basis to work from, but they're not a substitute for patient-specific information. And their design, I think, uh, needs to be informed by trying to capture as much and as concisely and time-efficiently as you can patient-specific detail as possible. But particularly going to helping understand the reason for the diagnosis and the recommendations that you made, that'll be very helpful for you. And may I just add one more thing? You know, when you mentioned about whether another practitioner is able to understand that note and carry on with the treatment, often I find when you've got a small, let's say, a general practice or or solo general practice, the notes almost seem too brief because obviously that same doctor is coming back the next day to see the same patient or whatnot. It's almost like a personal diary just to keep a bit of a tag on what you're doing that just is not going to cut it. So I, one of the things I learned throughout my experience with PSR was that, you know, every time I see a patient, it needs to be a record that means that I may not see this patient ever again and that whoever is taking over the care needs to have a very clear understanding of what I actually did and what I planned to do and what the actual indications were and my clinical input was. Often a lot of GPs, I think, do forget that and we get into a lot of trouble. Not only GPs, I suppose, I'm sure they'll be in different crafts as well. But do you agree that that's really important to really make sure, Scott? That's right. If I can just go back to that question that the PSR director is directly trying to answer in their review, can another practitioner understand what occurred, the reason for the treatment and the management provided? That's a question the PSR director will directly ask of the record. Yes, definitely. <laughs> Do you have any other tips that would make it easier to, for practitioners to keep good records? 
Yeah, sure. The tips really come from the way that people like myself are keeping records every day. It's our everyday practice to keep records. And you'll notice if you walk into your lawyer's or accountant's office, very often they'll have a big screen or they might have two screens. That helps you when you're working across different content to keep records. We're forever using templates. We work on them very hard and we put a lot of time and effort into them. And we're using them for very client-specific and very specific purposes and tailoring them. And in doing that, we're setting ourselves up to try to do it efficiently. Uh, Two monitors or um, a really large monitor is a good idea. Get used to using Control-C, get used to using Control-V, which is paste. Mm -hmm. You know, practice these skills that help you to manage your record keeping much more quickly. Maybe get to understand how to use fillable fields for completing patient-specific records in the templates that if you are working from templates and you're going to the effort of, you know, really uh, specifically tailoring them for your patients and get used to using things like fillable fields, you will find that that will save you an enormous amount of time as you're keeping records and it will help you to achieve the objective of keeping good records And by that, what I mean is not only records that are appropriate, but records that are prepared efficiently so that you're able to keep on with your practice and maximise the time that you have with your patients rather than spending them on your record. But you do have to plan to keep good records. It doesn't happen by accident. So it is a matter of planning to surround yourself with the right equipment learning the skills of efficient document management and really working on you know the content templates and fillable fields that you're dealing with and you'll find that the investment in time and skill building there will uh, certainly pay itself off in dividends through uh, you know the rest of your practice in your career thank, mm-hmm. thank you so much scott that's a really really great conversation we've had. And in parting, I would like to also note that those of you practitioners that are out there that's, you know, doing not electronic records and it's all handwritten, some some practitioners are still handwritten in their practice, not legible record is, is just as well be a no record. So, you know, if you are going to handwrite stuff, make sure that it is legible. And yeah, that's what I'm going to do, Scott, is you've kindly provided us with a PowerPoint presentation of the points that you spoke to today. So I'll actually tag that onto our um, podcast so people can have a look at it as a reference. But in terms of APAS and also GP Clarity, I just wanted to mention two things. Um, One is, Scott, I think you'd be interested in this. David has developed a software that actually um, is called Scribe, I think, is it, David? And, you know, it actually looks at this precise thing of automating and really helping practitioners populate their medical records in a real time using artificial intelligence, basically. So Mm. that's quite exciting. And and one of our uh, future episodes will be talking to this point. And also APAS also, um, as one of the services, we do offer our members to contact us and we will hook you up with people like Scott to actually go through your medical records as an example and an exercise process. So if you 
bring us your medical records and we will then sit down and analyze it and sort of give you some tips on, you know, how you're going. Is it is it terrible? Is it something that you can develop? And I think that's a really important exercise to go through before you end up in the eyes of PSR or APRA. So yeah, that's um, thank you very much for your time, Scott. And we will talk to you again soon. Oh, it's a pleasure. Thanks, Anchita. Thanks, David. Thanks, Scott. Thanks, Anchita. Bye.